Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by Gear Up Sports, one of the leaders in youth apparel sports, but they also support company attire and a distributed workforce and gear to stay connected. So go to gearupwithus.com to learn more. If you are watching the show, we are wearing uh, Gear Up With Us gear. That's how 40 Strategy, um, we, we like to uh, wear that in our Measure Success podcast shirts and all of our guests actually get something distributed from them as well. And so um, Martin will get to wear one of these and we'll get order right after the show, which I'm excited about. And that brings us to our founder, uh, founder of Kindly, uh, Martin Diamond. Martin Diamond is a serial entrepreneur and experience in many industries, including technology, social media, consumer products, hospital, and law, and has over 30 years experience as a sole founder and CEO of his own companies. Martin, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thanks. Uh, happy to be here. It sounds pretty good when you say it. <laughs> That's the best part, right? You know, it's always easier. It's like we, you know, it, it, and that, by the way, is our shortened bio. You, you have a lot more that you bring to the table, have done. Yeah, I was going to say 30 years, it, it, uh, you summed it up pretty quickly, but um, it works. Absolutely. So tell us more, you know, the key thing, what you're doing today, and, and we'll, we'll talk a fair amount about that during this podcast, Kindly. What is Kindly? And, and tell us a little more about it. So, you know, Kindly is a social media platform. It's, um, you know, certainly my most ambitious venture um, to date. And it really uh, was born out of what I felt was the need for somebody um, who had the ability to put together a platform that would fix a lot of the problems uh, with social media. And so Kindly was, uh, to me, something um, out of necessity to create a platform for people who are just not comfortable with the negativity and the hate and the abuses and the uh, essentially the weaponization of social media, um, you know, domestically, internationally, et cetera. So um, we, we set out to create a platform to fix it and create a platform that eliminated hate, eliminated fake users, um, created actual authenticity real accountability on the platform and, um, and tried to uh, essentially, you know, free people from the constraints of all of the, uh, the, the overwhelming negativity and hate on the other platforms. So it was really interesting when we were prepping for this podcast, you were talking about with the traditional, uh, we won't mention names right now, right? But the traditional things that we're seeing today, you know, on a regular basis, I guess we can, because it doesn't, doesn't hurt them. There are fake quote unquote identities, right. That coming in all the time. Can you give us some of those numbers? Cause it was yeah. pretty, I, I was dropping my jaw jaw when you're talking about some of these. Sure. Sure. You know, and this is, this is the, here's the thing. And, and, you know, this, I'll go on here's my rant about social media and feel free to jump in with, with questions, but you know, what it comes down to is that we have platforms that have been uh, organized and arranged without any safeguards uh, whatsoever for people. And, and most people don't really understand or know, well, what does that really mean? So some guy, you know, if I don't like someone, I just won't follow them or I won't listen to them. But people don't realize what's actually happening. Um, and it starts from the fake account problem. 
Um, now these numbers that I've, you know, talked about don't necessarily show up, uh, you know, every week for, they don't publicize these often, but Facebook came out and admitted they deleted 3.2 billion fake accounts on their platform, uh, just in six months recently. And, you know, that's a staggering number, uh, you know, and when you think about it, say, so, well, how does that, what, what's the big deal? What, what is the problem there? What people are really overlooking and, and there's many problems, there's many, many facets to the problem, but one of the biggest ones, when I say the weaponization of social media, essentially these platforms have, have become the new battleground. Um, you know, we're all, we're all seeing the news about, you know, Russia, Ukraine and all that stuff. And that's, that's old school, you know, bombs and missiles and, and tanks, right? We all like familiar with that. We all, you know, played with toy soldiers when we were little or something. Everyone gets that. But the new battleground that people don't realize is on these platforms. If you have the ability to create scripts or bots that generate fake accounts, 3.2 billion fake accounts doesn't happen because, you know, someone just has a side account or some, you know, some, some guy in, you know, Nebraska has a couple of side accounts. That many accounts happens because foreign entities, foreign operators write scripts and bots that create fake accounts automatically by the millions. If you write a script like that, you can create tens of millions of fake accounts and, and, pub, and get all of them online. Now, if you create some media, uh, some information, you can then use those other accounts to like, share, favorite, you know, do all kinds of things that essentially fool the algorithms into thinking these are popular subjects. And these accounts then start getting followed by people, by more and more people. And suddenly your leverage and your pull gets even greater because your message now has an audience. You can be in the remote regions of the world operating out of your basement and reach an audience of hundreds of millions of Americans with whatever message you want or whatever country you want to be in. And so the control of information and manipulation of it uh, is that's the new battleground that's that to some people might be like oh well, well, i know what's real i know what isn't but you know maybe you don't first of all and we've all seen what's happened to our society from these kinds of things uh, but then you have the other problem that the fake accounts are used for which is the fact that over 50 percent of the world's human trafficking problems take place on facebook and their ecosystem that's a, that's an unbelievable thought when you think about the the between pedophilia and sex trafficking and child porn uh, things people don't like to talk about a lot and they're not in the news a lot but the reality is these platforms created the ultimate playground for people who partake in those those things it's the perfect storm where you can go online create a fake account or many of them be whoever you want to be and talk to whoever you want to be and kids get approached every day by the millions worldwide on these platforms and so it only took a few of my daughter being reached out to on these platforms for me to realize wait a minute something is egregiously wrong here so when you when you look at what has been created between the the exploits of foreign entities and malicious users uh, and the the usage that's just inappropriate and just uh, just criminal really and disgusting by people internationally and domestically, um, 
something needs to change and uh, nobody's doing anything about it. So here we are kindly. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, you said three over 3 billion accounts in just six months. Right. Uh, yeah. You can Google that Google this stuff, Google Facebook deletes fake accounts and see, see what happens. But it's amazing. I mean, that's an incredible number. That's how almost half the world's population, right? If each individual. Right. You know, well, person, you know, right? here's the thing that I think caused it. And this is just me, my theories here. This isn't me speaking fact. But what I believe is that they finally started getting some class action lawsuits against them by businesses, by advertisers. Um, you know, it's always the people whose pocketbooks are hurt. Forget about all the societal harms and all the other stuff happening. But the people who's, who are spending money on ads say, wait a minute, how many people are really seeing our ads? Mm. Um, and I think because of all of the fake accounts, the numbers were, of course, skewed in such a way that wasn't necessarily. And so I believe those self-admissions of putting down fake accounts and other things they started to do was a reaction to that. That's theory really curious to me the timing of how some started coming out um, to clean some of that up now does it fix the problem no because since they deleted the fake accounts who knows how many more billions have been added um, there's just no restriction on it and, and i should point out let me let me also say for your audience that why okay here i am saying i fixed it in some in some ways right kindly is different in the sense that when you join kindly just like any platform you join for free and you can browse users and you can you can follow people and you can build a feed and consume content to your heart's content. Just like other platforms and yes sure if you're living in some other country or in the US and you want to write a script to create some fake accounts on kindly if you really know what you're doing. We can't really stop you you know that's not an invitation to people, but you know what go ahead. Uh, create a billion fake accounts, the difference on kindly is. You're a passive user. You are a read-only user when you first join the platform, no matter how many times you join it. So you can come on and build a feed and consume content, but the difference is on other platforms, then you're just free to go, do whatever you want, say whatever you want to anybody and, and create your story and, and uh, manipulation, however you, know, you wanna do it. On Kindly, it's different. The way you communicate on Kindly, you have to first unlock your account by authenticating yourself. And in essence, it's by simply making a 99 cent donation to a charity that we have listed that we're partnered with. We're partnered with most of the major charities that people know in the world. And so you choose your charity. It takes two clicks because it's an in-app purchase. It's not Bitcoin, no, no Dogecoin. It's not even PayPal. It's not even a credit card. It's just every one of us has a phone with, a, with an Apple account or a Google account if you have an iPhone or an Android phone. And one tap lets you do an in-app purchase to unlock your account on Kindly. 99 cents goes to the charity that you assign. And now you are unlocked. But what's different here is that unlock, unlike a bot or any other you know, scenario where these things get abused, you have to have a, be a person with a phone, with a real Apple or Google account, with a credit card that validates it. So not only are you now a real person, not just a script, but you're also someone whose identity can be easily discovered and you know that. And so if you're trying to create billions of fake accounts to manipulate the public sentiment in some foreign country, it's not going to work. If you're a pedophile who wants to talk to some high school girls, that's not going to work unless you're crazy. You're much better off just staying on Instagram and doing that. 
Uh, and if you're somebody who is into human trafficking or any other nefarious use or criminal use, you're not going on a platform that you know your identity can be discovered on. Uh, that's the fix of that problem. Beyond that, we can then police users, if you do abuse the platform, if you do uh, violate our terms of use, we're very strict with our content terms of use, now we have a way of policing you because again, your identity is known and you have to unlock your account. So if you do something that violates our terms of use, you get booted. If you just come back on and do it again, you are going to have to go through that authentication process. You've got mostly the same phone, the same unlock, the same credentials. We're not going to allow you to come back on the platform. You would have to, here's a secret, everybody. You'd have to have a literally a different device, a different name, a different address that the payment is under, you know, or a business and have separate phones for every time you want to just come on kindly and pay a dollar just so you can get banned again. Um, you're going to stay on Twitter. It's much easier over there to do what you want to do. So, you know, kindly does have a lot of safeguards in place and that really, I'm not giving away any secrets. Those are just the tip of the iceberg. We've got a lot of algorithmic things going on behind the scenes to keep everybody positive, keep it safe, keep everybody real. We're the only platform that's authentic and accountable and, um, and it solves a big problem for society. So that's, that's our, our mantra and we want everybody to be kind. So let's let's take that step. You have an authenticated user. They they come in now. They're in site, and so they they and they've still decided to um, yeah rant for lack of a better term, right? You know, cause mayhem if you may, um, and 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 do things that are would be considered inappropriate for Kindly's perspective. Right. What happens then? So our system uh, in, is designed a little differently. Our, our algorithms kick in while you're posting content uh, rather than after, right? So if you're trying to post something that violates our terms of use, um, it's pretty hard. You're going to generally, most of the time, get some messages say, sorry, you can't post that, try something else. Um, now we're not you know, censoring. I'm happy to get into the censorship conversation. The reality is we're just trying to keep it positive and keep people from going into places where they're insulting people or, you know, name calling and things like that. So we block a lot of that, a lot of that stuff. Now, look, anybody can re restru restructure their message, try it five times, 10 times, whatever, say, oh, yeah, this one worked. By then you've watered down your message probably. But assuming you do that, um, at that point, our moderation tools kick in just like other platforms and we have a flag system. It's a little different. Our flag system is more aggressive, meaning if you do something that gets flagged anywhere in the community, your account's automatically suspended instantaneously by the system until we review it. When we review it, our team looks at it. If you have, if, it, if it's deemed to actually violate our terms, we'll send a message, hey, sorry, that post violated our terms, it gets deleted, you know, try to keep it positive. If you do it again, uh, that's strike one. If you do it again, our system again will automatically stop your account while it gets reviewed. Uh, if strike two happens and you violate it again, you're going to be suspended for 30 days. It's automatic in our platform. It's just we leave the suspension 30 days. You're still using the app. You're a passive user. You're back to being a read only user. You have no more voice on the platform. Uh, after 30 days, sure, come back on, post, message, comment, do whatever you want to do. If you do it again, third strike, uh, the flag happens again, automatically stopped. We review it. If it's strike three, your account just stays permanently as a read-only account. Um, at that point, again, come back on, try to be somebody else, go through the authentication. If you've got your same device, same phone, same everything else, you're not getting back on. Um, so it's pretty hard to do. So it's a lot of barriers. 
Um, no system is 100% perfect, but compared to what we have, it's pretty close and it's pretty difficult. People try to go on and post things they post or say on Twitter or something, and it gets frustrating pretty quickly because you just keep getting blocked. Again, if you're normal, positive, civil, the way most people are face to face in the real world, you'll never even get that pop up message unkindly. So that's what it's all about being civil. That I, I think that's tremendous. So um, I'm kind of curious. So let's say something political comes up, right? Somebody posts something about their favorite politician, left, right, or neutral. I don't care. Is that allowed, not allowed? Because uh, that's where a lot of what I see today is where a lot of the hate, if you may, is about right. somebody disliking somebody because they believe in some political stance and they don't right. care to listen at all. They just want to say yeah. their thing. Um, how, how, how does it go about with issues like that? Well, you know, one of our big things is that we ban politics on our platform. Um, and you know, a lot of people ask me about that. And of course, in this day and age, when every article you read is about censorship and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, people, people talk a lot about that and, and that gets into a lot of, a lot of, uh, topics that we probably don't have time for, but, um, you know, the reality is. When I when you know I'm not going to date myself too much, but by saying that when I grew up, nobody talked about politics. You know, most people used to not talk about politics, and we all just got along and we kept our vote to ourselves, and and uh, we went on our daily lives. Politics is extremely divisive. If you keep talking about it, it's just going to divide you. And in this day and age, it just ends relationships, it ends friendships, it stops people from connecting in the first place. And it's an absolute barrier, and it's something that has become you know way too uh, divisive in our society. And so our view is, look, you've got plenty of places to talk about that. And if you want to talk about it, go talk about it. But on Kindly, we want to have a place where people can just discuss things and comment on things without it all degrading into a political accusation. We want to have a social media platform where people can get away from it. I think it's important in this day and age to be able to get away from this stuff. And unfortunately, because of the way the media covers it and our news covers it, and it's all over every comment thread and everything you see degrades into some kind of political insult, um, it's almost impossible to get away from it. And, and I, and I think many, many people, I think majority of people by far find it you know, depressing at some level and they just want some peace from it sometimes. Um, and I think as a society, we need to get back to where you take your vote to the poll every four years you, you take your vote and you leave and you go about your daily life. You've, get, you've got one chance every four or two years, you know, depending what you're doing. So make your vote and then move on. And I think that's, we lived in a happier country when we did that. And I'm hoping at least we can create a platform for people who may not go that far, but at least can escape what's going on everywhere else. So let's talk about the, the positives of those who experience when they're in the network, right? So they're in Kindly, what is that difference? You know, what, what are they experiencing versus other traditional social sites that are out there? I, I think it's, it's positivity, you know, um, more people want to be around positivity than negativity. I think that's just natural. Um, I think most people sit on the sidelines on other platforms um, and don't really want to get into the mud and you know, make their statement because they just don't want to get insulted or get dragged into the into the mess. And so I, I think you've got 
you know, 10% of the population, maybe again, I'm, I'm, I don't have data on this, but this is, I think, uh, what people, most people seem to agree with that do 90% of the communicating, you know, 10% are the loudest, um, and, uh, 90% just, uh, you know, the, the other 90% sit on the sidelines and watch, um, on kindly you come on and, and, you know, you, you can post, you can share, you're not going to get insulted. You're not going to see a comments about a typical, typical liberal or typical conservative, or just, just like Biden said, or just like Trump. I mean, everything just devolving to that. Um, it's just, you know, you're around positive people. And, and I think more people, the more people are surrounded by positivity and the more people are exposed to it and participate in it, the better they feel, the more energy they have, the better their outlook on life, the more energy they have. And I think the more productive they end up being. So starting a, we talked about this a bit when we we're prepping for the call. One of, one of the greatest challenges is a social media site is to get the numbers, to get people to come to it. Um, you, you mentioned about where you were at, where you're going, and, and what are you doing to help grow that population so you could be, um, have that, have your own common set of users, right? Where you have something where media is going to pay attention in a positive way, right? right. So you can help, because that's typically how most social sites are making money, either through subscription, right? Or through through advertising. So explain to me a little bit about that process and, and how, from a business perspective, how do you help take it to the next level? Yeah, you know, um, everyone will say, and, and I'd be the first to stand up and say that social is very hard. Um, you know, when I think the most sobering moment for anyone attempting any type of social platform um, is when you first launch it. Um, actually, it's probably before that when you first go to beta test it and you sort of turn it on. And then at that moment, not that I didn't know this before, but it really hits you when you realize there's nothing to see. Uh, in other words, a social platform is literally 100% user generated content. Typically, when you're going on these other platforms, you're not looking at, you know, Twitter content per se, you know, they, they organize other content that other people create. And so, um, you know, it's certainly sobering when you've, you've done all this work and all this layout and extreme UI UX detail and and use case scenarios and, and all all those millions of things that you have to do to put it together and then you you have a, a white screen when when it launches um and so you know from there you just uh you just start grinding and uh you know we've certainly tried to you know, everyone who's come on our platform i think recognizes the benefit of it and we've had a lot of celebrities in it you know we were fortunate enough to to bring in tim tebow as uh one of the faces of the company one of the founding members um, we have another a number of other celebrity partners, and uh, we seem to be, uh, you know, seem to attract celebrities pretty easily. Um, and, it, and, and I think it's just one of those things that, like anything, it's going to take time and a lot of messaging and a lot of repetition and, you know, a lot of organic growth and hopefully um, ultimately leading to uh, significant venture capital backing where we can brute force the message a little more through, uh, you know, advertising and mainstream media um, and uh, you know, repetitious ad buys and other other kind of digital marketing that we could do. Um, so that's the hope. That's our path. Um, we've built a really good foundation. Our users, uh, you know, believe in the purpose. We get so many emails and messages thanking us for final, someone finally doing this. And, um, and uh, you know, we think it's just a matter of time before we can get that kind of support from the from the venture community. What do you enjoy most about being involved with Kindly? 
I mean, I think for me, um, you know, work satisfaction, um, you know, obviously everybody wants money, I think, uh, but for me, it's more about uh, purpose and feeling good in what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I think everybody has a different level of, you know, I think um, instinct for how, how much uh, principle matters to them. You know, for some people, principle doesn't matter at all. They say, hey, I make money, I make money, you know, and, and I'm not knocking that. Um, and I think maybe when I was a lot younger, I might've had more of that, but, uh, you know, I, I really believe in doing things that I think I, I feel good about the principle of why it exists, that it's, that it's there to, for a legitimate good cause. Um, and so, you know, kindly to me, honestly, I can't, I can't think of a, a, uh, a more grandiose attempt at making a difference in the digital, in the tech space, um, in the sense that's what I was kind of going for. At least that's the way for what I could put together. I'm sure other people can do much better things uh, than, than what I could do. But this this is what I thought I could bring to the table. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, it can create a big difference in society. Yeah, that's tremendous. So how do you how do you ultimately measure success with Kindly? I think, um, you know, I, I guess let's put it this way. Um, the fact that it exists is already a success to me. Um, the fact that we built it, the way we engineered it, um, there's so many features to it we haven't talked about. We've got these kindly cards that let people do things in the real world and, and anonymously and let, let it, people scan the card and have it track back to the platform. And we, we show all the kind acts happening around the world. We're, we're trying to create a movement, uh, a global movement. Our, our main goal with Kindly is to generate 1 billion kind acts around the world while raising $1 billion for charities. So if this platform were to scale, I think those numbers could be achieved. Um, but, you know, again, I measure success by the fact that it exists. I think by, uh, by accomplishment and achievement, um, that to me is success. Financial success and uh, everything else is the icing on the cake, but it's not to me why I would do something. I, I do something because I, believe in it, want it to exist. And if people like it and it happens to do well, great. And if they don't, it doesn't matter to me because I've already succeeded. Well, thank you for that answer. And clearly you've had a lot of thought and it, it, I could, I love your passion right behind what you're trying to do. You know, you, you, um, you, you've had success in your business life throughout with multiple different ventures. And now you're like, I really want to give back it, but there's also this personal list too of look, my own daughter, right. Is, is, is had, you know, has had issues, you know, and I have two daughters myself and yeah, um, yeah you, you, you want, you want to, and, and my boy, you know, same thing, you know, that there is um, there's a greater call that calling that you have. And I think that's tremendous that you're doing that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yes. If you have if you have kids, anybody who has kids, they are getting contacted by someone who is not who they say they are, for a reason that we all know what they're thinking. Um, that's just true. And if you can live with that, and and support the platforms that allow that, then that's your thing. Personally, I can't do it. So by the way, I, I, you have, I'm going to, after today, I'm going to 
officially sign up. I haven't done that yet, but, um, you know, I appreciate your, your story behind this. I, I, interestingly enough, I've been doing the opposite. I've been getting rid of on my own phone, a lot of the old traditional, uh, social apps. And so I don't go to on a regular basis because it's not adding a lot of value to what I do on a regular basis. Um, but I appreciate what this is, you know, once again, it's, it's about providing and doing good, having a positive purpose. I think that's great, you know, because that is ultimately why why I'm in business too, you know, is to help make it make make a positive difference. Um, you you've had a lot of success throughout your career, how and you got to be busy doing what with what you're trying to do. There's no small task at all. Yeah. Um, how do you keep yourself focused on a day to day basis to um, keep encouraged to whatever it is, whether you're keeping yourself in shape or you're mentally doing it? What what are the uh, daily habits, if you may, that you do on a regular basis to keep yourself going? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm fairly um, structured, you know, uh, in terms of schedule and, and things I like to do. And, and, my, and I, I really value routine. I think routine is really important. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, just kind of float around and, you know, take the day as it comes to them. And, and um, you know, if that works, great. I'm the type of person that I, I thrive being more organized and a little more regimented in some sense. Right. So, um, you know, I think ultimately you have to have, uh, I think it comes down to everyone has a different level of, of drive and a different level of intensity with, uh, and the level of pride they have in their work and themselves. I think that's hard stuff to teach. We're all, I think, born to, to kind of have a certain way. Um, I think for some people it's, they have to work at it, you know, and if you can consciously evaluate yourself and look at it and say, yeah, you know, I need to really maybe be more disciplined and learn discipline. Um, then being conscious is, I think the, of that is the biggest thing. I see that with my own kids, you know, I, I see them just kind of waffle around and not manage their schedule well, and always get caught with deadlines and, oh yeah, they're scrambling for homework. And, and I say, you know what, if, if discipline or that doesn't come easy to you or naturally, um, cause one of my other kids, it, it does. I said, then, you know, you have to be aware, you have to be able to self-evaluate and, and learn that skill or force yourself to do it. And sometimes that's hard and everybody goes through periods where they're unproductive. And I, I've learned, I think the biggest thing for me is just not to beat yourself up. You know, I think um, you're not going to have every day that, that's perfect. You're not going to execute every day. You're not going to get your workout in every day or, or get the work done you want every day. And, you know, I used to take that and be much harder on myself. And now I'm like, you know, what, that's okay. You know, it's, uh, I'll get to it tomorrow and just bounce back tomorrow. And so I think you just have to self-evaluate. And for me, scheduling really works. For me, just working out at the same time, uh, having meals around the same time and knowing that I can sit and work and do what I need to do without distraction um, is important. If you schedule meetings throughout the day and you're constantly interrupted, I feel like that's where you're like, oh, I didn't get to this today. I didn't do this. So just organize your time, manage time. I think that's the best thing I could say. So how do you measure success then in your personal life? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a homebody um, with that. And, and I really, um, you know, I really enjoy spending time with my family uh, more than anything. And so if, if I, if I can, you know, 
I think for someone, most people, if you're, if you're self-employed or if you're doing, got a bunch of things going on, um, it's sometimes hard to turn off the clock and, and think like you're working or you're not working. You know, if, um, I, for someone, you know, like myself, I've never had, okay, it's five o'clock, that's it, day's over, you know, go home. At five o'clock or, you know, a.m., 5 p.m., 10 p.m., whatever, if you're in business, running a business, you're always really thinking about it. So for me uh, to be able to turn off, disengage, and spend time with my family in such a way where I'm not actually uh, aware of what time it is, um, and uh, and I'm just in the moment, uh, having good time with them. To me, that that's that's I'm succeeding. That that's how I I look back. If I fail in that, a weekend goes by and I'm like, yeah, we didn't do anything, or we never really hung out or did much, or you know, sat. Then I look at that like, ah, that's a that's failure to me. I, you know, uh, we have to maybe plan a little better and, and uh, get up a little earlier and just have something to do on Saturday or Sunday. So um, for me, that's how I do it. Okay. And that's a great answer. I'd like to ask all my guests, what, what book do you recommend for our audience? So, uh, you know, I saw you, you um, sent me a note about that and I, I, I got thinking that I should, you know, I, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you some business book like everybody else probably would or everything, but the, I, I'm going to give you a weird one. Um, and it's actually something that I recently went back and reread and it made me think everybody needs to read this. And it's the, my old constitutional law horn book from law school from like 30 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, I was really, you know, it, it's been a long time since I've read law textbooks. Um, but there's a uh, constitutional law horn book, it's called uh, mine's the third edition, I'm not sure how many they're up to by now. But I think what's important about this book, and what would be really valuable for most people is a few things. One is, you're exposed to just phenomenal writing and thought analysis and reasoning. Um, most people, if you've never read the opinions written out and actually read the entire thing, not just one sentence you see in the news, but the whole opinion that's written by our Supreme Court justices, especially the ones of you know years ago, the reasoning, logic, and the, the quality of the writing and thought expression is off the charts amazing. And just being exposed to that and seeing that will make you a better thinker, um, speaker, writer, everything that you might have to do in a, in a, you know, in a communication sense. So I think that's extremely valuable. I think the other side of it is that, um, you know, seeing firsthand the, the analysis and how the rights of our, of our freedoms in this country, especially in, in the day and age when these things are just really being assaulted from different angles, um, you know, and regardless of which side of the political fence you're on, uh, you know, it's very topical these days, seeing, seeing this stuff as it evolved and the reasoning behind things and, and understanding really what, where they come from and how these rights are come from and where they exist and what free speech actually means. Not, it's not just a spoiler alert. It's not whether you can type what you want on Twitter. That's not what free speech means. Um, and so, uh, you know, seeing all that, 
I think it would open a lot of people's eyes. It would make a lot of people um, who are arguing about some of these topics come together a little more. And um, I think it's a really valuable thing to read. And it's about 1,100 pages, so good luck. Uh, it takes it takes me like eight pages an hour. It's a slow read, but I'm telling you that the writing value is is outstanding. So that's my recommendation for you. Wow, that is a meaty book for sure. But yeah. I think... I think it's amazing of, of the, if you do take the time to even, I, I think even just frankly reading one, right. You know, reading yeah. one of these huge court so. cases that have set precedent that right. people have been arguing about for years, truly understanding not only the, the uh, opinion, but the dissent as well. Yeah. You'd, I think you'd is, be surprised. Yep. How much value is in those writings. Um, it, I went back just to read, you know, here's what got me, right? All the stuff in the news about, you know, Roe v. Wade and all that stuff, right? So I went back to read the actual opinion. It's like, yeah, I haven't read this in 30 something years. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was just, I brought back to that time when, it, for, when I first was learning that material and how incredible it, it is, how incredibly written, well-written it is and how uh, well-reasoned things are. And um, it's just, it's just, and so I kept going. Yeah, I just I just started reading other cases and just kept going. And it, it's it's incredible. Everybody should read that stuff. This country would be smarter and a lot more unified if everybody read the actual stuff and the reasonings and the court opinions. I think great, great recommendation there. So where could people uh, find Kindly and, and learn more about you? Yeah, so obviously Kindly is a public app. Um, it's Kindly with an I. Uh, there it is in, in the background there, right? So uh kindly with an eye um and it's on the app stores google or um android i'm sorry android or uh, uh, ios and kindly.org is our website um kindly.org will take you there and um you know you can you can get started and and uh you know maybe maybe get into a platform where you can get away from all the other nonsense out there and, and take a stand with me everybody all right. Thank you so much. Once again, I appreciate you sharing about this, this amazing project of Kindly and, and the passion you have around it. And I wish you continued success on growing that up. Thank you so much for being on the Measure Success Podcast, Martin. Thanks, Carl. I appreciate you inviting me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And to everyone else, our audience, um, thank you so much for listening and wishing you the very best at measuring success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.